WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote, and uh, I'm here with Matt. Uh, Matt, you went to FlankCon the other week. Uh, how was it? Uh, it was great. Uh, it's one of the most interesting and really pleasant con-going experiences I think you can have. Um, I mean, for those of you who don't know, uh, FlameCon is for the LGBTQA community. And so it is a con that is a really does its best to be inclusive to everyone of every uh, race, gender, sexual identity, uh, ability, you name it. It's accepting and they want to make it for you. That, that's excellent. Um, how was it, you know, kind of programming wise? What, what did you see? Who did you talk to? Well, um, <laughs> I was able to very, very nicely catch up with some of our previous guests. I got to say hi to Steens and to Chad Sell and was able to get a short interview with recent guest and as they did affirm, friend of the show, Vita Ayala, who is absolutely wonderful. Um, I was also able to get interviews with uh, Tamara Bonvillon, who is the colorist on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur for nearly the entire run and a bunch of other books, including... Uh, once in Future, which we've mm -hmm. talked about on the site quite a bit lately. Yes. Um, I talked to one of the uh, organizers of the show, Nick, who is the uh, president of Geeks Out, which is the sort of umbrella organization that is about uh, LGBTQ uh, representation in fandom and sponsors FlameCon. Um was also really excited to talk to Rosemary Valera O'Connell, artist on the graphic novel Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me with writer Mariko Tamaki that was just nominated for two Harvey Awards, uh, which were announced right before the con. And I have to admit, most exciting, and this is not to say that I don't love the rest of these people who I've talked to, um, but I got to sit down with Jay and Miles of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, the... Uh, pod father grandfather to uh not just our show but about half the comic book related podcast that i listen to um i'm squealing i'm squealing very loudly uh it's an internal squeal but i promise you it is very loud and very high-pitched that is awesome <laughs> it's a phenomenal con i got um a really fun sketch from a local artist, uh, local to New York. Um, I uh, talked to an uh, another artist who was a uh, did the art on an RPG, a couple of RPGs that I've played. Uh, I was not able to quite fight my way to the front of the line to talk to Carrie Peach, the artist on the Adventure Zone graphic novels. Mm -hmm. This year, I talked to her uh, previous year at FlameCon, and this year it's just like, oh boy, that line is even longer this year, and I have so many interviews and other things to do. <laughs> um, I sat in on a couple of panels. Um, there was one on the, the great YA debate about you know LGBTQA representation in YA graphic novels and comics um, and I got to, to get a really nice seat for the live episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men which was great and I won't say anything about it because that show will have just dropped yesterday I believe when this will be dropping um, but depends is, on how time works <laughs> yes time is and it is X-Men, so time is all sorts of wonky one way or the other. It's um, both a flat circle and works in Powers of Ten, apparently. <laughs> indeed. Um, but I have to say, the accessibility stuff at FlameCon was really impressive. Um, they, they had a, a space, a, a quiet room for people who need to get out of that mosh pit 
that is a convention floor. Mm. Uh, they had uh, water coolers everywhere and plastic cups. So if you were dehydrated or whatever, you could just grab a glass of water as opposed to every other convention you go to where, you know, a bottle of water costs you 10 bucks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it really, the, the con really looks out for everyone. Um, I will also say that it is one of the coolest cosplay cons because you see all sorts of stuff that might get lost in some of those bigger cons. And I mean, some very, you know, LGBTQA themed characters, a lot of Steven Universe both years. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, the big, the cons, the costumes that I saw most were from the current uh noel stevenson showrun she-ra like every character under the sun very few she-ra's by comparison to lots of catras and scorpias if you've watched the show okay. um, and at least two quentin choirs one from the cover of the new x-force with the nathan nina sam tabitha gavidra t-shirt which was really cool which is a shirt that i want to own <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, but that's the thing there, about Quentin Quire. He's just one of those people who just has awesome T-shirts. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were two other cosplays that I'm not going to mention, but if you go and listen to the uh, live con Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, both of these people are called out specifically because of the awesomeness of their costumes. Uh, so you should listen to that because it's a great episode and it was a, such a cool show. And you should all be listening to Jay and Miles as well as our show. Uh, you know, it would be great. Uh, don't don't just jump ship and listen to Jay and Miles as great as Jay and Miles are because we're great too. <laughs> WMQ and A, we also are great. <laughs> yes, the, there were new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> there was also numerous Crowleys and Aziraphales from Good Omens. Okay. And at one point, I saw one of the Crowleys attempting to wrangle all the Crowleys to get one big all Crowley shot. I don't know if they ever got around, were able to do it, but I saw at least, I think four or five of them in one shot. So that was adorable. That's so many David Tennant's in one place. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's like a Doctor Who Christmas special. Yep. Indeed. So um, I have recorded uh, these interviews of which I have spoken and Today, you will be listening to all of them. All right. Well, let's jump right into that. I believe we're starting with uh, Tamara Bonville. Indeed we are. Let's go. So, it's early on FlameCon on Saturday, and I am here with colorist Tamara Bonville. Uh, so, I mean, it's only been half an hour, but how's the con treating you so far? Pretty good so far. Just mostly done some signings and stuff for people. You signed one of the more impressive <laughs> stacks of back issues I have ever seen at a convention. Bravo. Yeah. I think uh, it was every issue of Moon Girl. Wow. And then, like, some more. That is impressive. Have you I mean, have you been on Moon Girl from the beginning? Yeah, I've colored every issue of Moon Girl. Wow. Has it been... I, it's a, I read the first trade, and I loved it, and there's only so many hours in the day, unfortunately. Um, has it been the same creative team the entire run? Uh, mostly. So we started, Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair co-wrote it in the beginning. Amy left after issue 18, I believe, but Brandon has, has also written every issue so far. Uh, I think 46 is coming out, or I don't exactly remember Sounds came out. about right. Something like that. Some, around um, the same number that Squirrel Girl is out. Right. And then Natasha uh, has drawn it for most of it. She's occasionally have like a fill-in for her to catch up, like, so, like a one-off here and there. Uh, Aletha Martinez is, is currently drawing it um, while she's she's on break. And I've colored the whole thing. The editors have shifted hands too, I think. Uh, Chris Robinson and Jordan White are doing it now. And it started... I, I think Emily Shaw. I don't think she's with Marvel. But anyway, we've kind of switched hands, but we've like, there's a consistent, uh, there's consistent team members there from the beginning. Which is impressive for a yeah. book. Frankly, nowadays, a book that doesn't have Bat, Spider, X, or Avengers in it lasting more than 12 issues is impressive, let alone a book with a very 
close to the same creative team for over 40 issues is impressive. That's, yeah, it's very lucky. Like it's that's the first ongoing book that I colored at Marvel. Like I colored a few things, or like a mini series, but like and for it to go on that long, it's like really surprising, that's but in a good way. Awesome. You know, like I've been happy to be doing it. So. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you, just looking at your table, I mean, you've done a bunch of work for Image that I, you did Flavor and Wayward, which are both books I really liked, and you did the, the Alien 3, uh, the William Gibson adaptation, which was a friend of mine was salivating for that book. What, what drew you to being a colorist? Um, well, I had like an, an interest in art and comics, you know, too specifically, like from a young age. Um, so I was always like taking art classes and drawing or whatever. I went to a, like a we have a we have a uh, magnet school where I'm from. Like uh, it's a fine arts school, Davidson Fine Arts. So it's still a public school, but you know you try out to go to it and, and whatever. But like uh, so there's like an art focus. I got a good art education in there. I went to a local college for a time doing art, and then I went to the Kubert School for a while. So like you know, I was like always trying to do. So here's a question since we went to the Cooper School. Did you ever go to Dewey's Comic City in Madison, the comic shop? I'm not sure. Okay, because I worked there for uh -huh. 15 years, and Fernando Ruiz is one of our regulars, and Anthony Marquez, who was an alum and teacher, now owns the store. Oh, okay. So I, a lot of the graduating Cooper School students do free comic book day with us. Right. And I'm not sure. I don't, I, I don't know. We probably got around. We like, probably cross paths at some point or another because I was yeah, there for yeah. I worked there from 2000 to 2015. Okay. So yeah, so that was that's crossover when I was there. I graduated in 2009. Oh, so so yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was like drawing, but I like coloring too. I color my own stuff, you know. And I think just over time, like I felt like I enjoyed it more and it like, kind of clicked more with me. So you know, after school, a lot of your classmates were, you know, like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And color with them. So a lot of the connections I made that have gotten where I am now, like started from those, like coloring for someone who knew someone else, who knew someone else, and you know, it just kind of like snowballs from that point. And you know, it's like, I felt like it came pretty, you know, like easily to me, I mean, relatively, you know. Um, so like, yeah, I just kind of went with it, you know, I just kind of, I kind of found that. I wasn't specifically going to be a colorist, but I enjoy it and I'm happy doing it, so. Is this your first flame con? My first time, yeah. So, so you don't have much of a point of reference of it versus other cons yet. <laughs> but it's, I mean, this is my second. It's very okay. cool. Um, uh, what have you got coming up? Um, yeah, I was just talking. So I'm not sure what I can talk about yet. Oh, right. Wait, right. Wait, so, wait. like, Moon Girl's going, uh, Captain Mar... Uh, Captain Mar... <laughs> <laughs> I just started working on Doom Patrol again. I just finished issue three. Um, that's already come out, but as far as me coloring it, I'm coloring the next at least several issues, and then we'll see what the plan is from there. Um, and What's in Future just came out this week. So I think that's all that's known. There's things coming up, but I can't talk about this yet. Naturally, naturally, we are well-versed in the art of the NDA and what people can and can't say to us. Uh, and as we always end with asking, where can people follow you on social media if you so wish to be followed? Sure. Um, the only thing I really use for public uh, social media is uh, Twitter. I'm at T. Bond Dillon. If you search my name, the only one that's going to come up under that name is uncommon. So you'll find me pretty easily. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, and we are back at FlameCon with uh, Rosemary Valera O'Connell, the artist on Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, which just was nominated for two Harvey Awards. Congratulations <laughs> on the nomination. Much. Thank you very much. Uh, is it, was it one of these things where you knew you got like, an email or something before the nominations, or not it was just like, all. boom? Fully not at all. I knew because a close friend of mine texted me that morning, congratulations on the Harveys, and I had no idea what she was talking about, and so I had to go online and be like, it <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's wild. It's completely wild. It's very exciting. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, I'm very excited about it. You were saying off mic, this is the first, your first full-length graphic novel you've yeah. worked on with Mariko Tamaki. Yes, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how did that partnership come about? Yeah, well, we, um, I mean, I have been, I think, like most people my age, a pretty massive fan of Mariko's work. Um, Skim, the book that she did with Jillian, uh, was the comic 
that I read in high school that basically kind of tipped the scales and made me realize that this is what I wanted to dedicate my life to, you know? Like, I wanted to kind of try to make a piece of work that could affect someone the way that the game affected me. So I, she had been on my radar for a very long time. Um, and then I had had some contact with Costa Brella for a second, who would become our editor. And she, it was my, like, senior year uh, of college, and she sent me an email kind of out of the blue that was like, hey, Marika Tamaki's working on a new project, but you'd be interested in testing to be the artist for it. Like, fully just landed in my lap, like, a literal dream job. Um, and so I, after I kind of collected myself, I was like, yes, please, I have to be the person to make this book. Um, and it flowed really well from there. I mean, she, you know, we kind of later discovered that, you know, she'd known about my work before, and she, it was kind of a of a match made in heaven. We both wanted to work with each other. So. Marvelous. <laughs> Thank you. For those who don't know, can you give us the kind of elevator pitch for the book? Sure. Uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me is a book uh, about a teenage high school girl, Frederica Riley, and her sort of tumultuous on-again, off-again relationship with her sort of very, very popular, very lovely, very fun, but very hard to pin down girlfriend, Laura Dean. Um, and it's a book about sort of learning um it's a book about wanting very much to love and be loved by someone who just cannot give you or refuses to give you what you want and about sort of learning how to excise yourself from the relationships in your life um, that are taken from you and how to nurture and how to cultivate the ones that are nourishing you. You were just on a panel about YA comic, the great YA debate. Yes. This is, can you consider this, or this is considered a YA book? Yeah, yes, which I, you know, part of the conversation we were having is I, you know, I don't really think about you know, why is uh, a marketing term? It's like a thing that you kind of have to apply to the work almost after it exists, or at least as a, as a creator. We, neither of us were sort of coming from the perspective, like, we're going to make a book for young adults. We're going to make, you know, a book for ages 15 to 18. It was just like, we were going to tell this story, and this is a story that's about this character, um, and she is a sage, and this is the life that she is living. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of ended up falling into that particular placement. Very cool. Cool. Um, is, is this your first slam con? It is. It is. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. How are you enjoying it so I'm far? I'm loving it. I barely got a chance to look around before the panel, so <laughs> now, and I say that, but I'm also, I already bought like $80 worth of prints and merch just because yeah. the work here is so stellar. It's so stellar. And it is, you know, it's amazing to be able to sort of walk. I know that like every single thing that you're seeing is queer art by queer people for queer people, and you're just like marinating in it. it it's, felt, it's been incredible to be here. It's phenomenal. <laughs> um, do you have any other work coming up? I do. I'm actually, um, I think we'll be announcing it in a couple of weeks. Uh, I did a project um, with the UK publisher Shortbox. I did a short book called What is Left that was nominated uh, for a couple Eisners, and we're collecting it with two other short stories and publishing sort of a larger. Um, um, like anthology almost um, so it'll be three short stories uh, I think later this summer its debut show will be Thought Bubble in the UK um, and yeah and then I've got uh, some other things that I can't talk about yet I am, but yes just projects are in the works you're my third interview of the day and the third one that I've had to say we understand the ways of the NDA right we, we, we completely understand okay, so, so that's a couple Eisner's a couple Harvey's you're you know just racking up the nominations bravo thank you thank you I feel like I'm constantly waiting for someone to like I don't know jump out from behind the bushes and be like just kidding this isn't real this isn't you don't get to live this life and make comics and have people read them um but it's still happening, and no one has, you know, banned me from comics yet, so we just keep, keep rolling with it. Yeah. As far as I know, you're real, but I, I'm, it's real, but who knows if I am. Yeah, so as that, real as any of us are. Exactly. Um, so... At, at the end of all these, I, we always like to ask, how can people follow you on social media if you so wish to be followed? Absolutely. I am uh, at Hi Rosemary Hello on Instagram and on Twitter, which is where I'm the most active. Um, I have a portfolio site. I have an email address. It's all basically Hi Rosemary or Hi Rosemary Hello, <laughs> some variation of that. We try to keep the keep the brand, uh, you know, centered. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you so and much. Knockwood, best of luck at the Harveys. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Such a pleasure. W-N-Q-A. So, uh, 
FlameCon continues, and we are here with returning guest and, dare I say, friend of the show, yeah. Vita Ayala. Hello. How are you doing, Vita? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Day one. Day one. <laughs> How has day one been treating you so far? Pretty good. I had a panel um, about queerness and witchcraft and magic and stuff like that, so that was a lot of fun. Um, it was really well attended, first one of the day. Uh, and then I've been at my table for... 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stealing you away already. That's fine. I like it. It's quieter. Yes. Yes, it is. It's How many flame cons is this for you? Uh, tabling, this is my second. Attending, uh, I think I've come to all of them. Um, if not, I might have missed the very first one, but I, I don't think so. I think I've been at to all. How does it feel? It clearly must feel bigger than... <laughs> when it was. I mean, it feels bigger this year versus last year. Yeah, and it was well attended last year, too. Um, it feels like it's it's growing. It definitely does. Um, the new location, I think, is it's easier for some people to get to, I think, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging the space. I like the, the new little badges. I think they're really cute. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, since we last had you as a guest, about a month ago, um, we've had a couple of very exciting announcements. Um, first, as I was saying to you off mic, uh, James Bond was announced yeah. the day after we recorded with you. Yes. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. As, as I was saying to someone I interviewed earlier, we understand the way of the NDA. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we would never ask anyone to, because no, we don't want anybody to get in trouble. Right. Um, so, how, so, tell us about what your... Bond is going to be co-writing, correct? Yes, I'm co-writing uh, with Danny Lore, who is one of my best friends um, and who also edited The Wilds, which is my first creator-owned book. Um, we are not... Everything will be redacted if I try and tell you. The government will come and redact. Um, but I will say that it's going to be... It's a maxi-series, right? I think. Or so. ongoing, I guess. It's going to be a longer form. It's a maxi-series, if not ongoing. Yeah, it's a longer form. Uh, I think, I believe, can't remember. Um, I think it's going to be very dynamic. I think it's going to draw on a lot of what Danny and I really love, not just about Bond, but about kind of spy dramas in general. Um, we're both really big fans. They're actually one of the biggest James Bond fans I've ever met in my life. Um, and I just, I like spy stuff in general. Um, and so it feels like this was meant to be. It's also our 10-year friend anniversary. Oh, the nice. month it drops is our 10-year anniversary for being friends. Muscle talk. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not allowed to give specifics, oh, but I will say it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of fun, um, I think. But there are going to be some pretty hard-hitting moments. There, so. so, in that case, just favorite Bond? My favorite, but like the, like the movie or like the actor? Uh, actor first. Oh, boy. It's a tricky question. I really, I really like Roger Moore, but also like, let's be real, Daniel Craig is the one that like, I think, I think he gets the, the depth of sadness that is at the core of James Bond. Um, I will say his movies aren't all my favorites. I do love Casino Royale, of course, um, but I think there's something about the way that he quietly portrays Bond that really speaks to me. So. You said you're into other what are your, some of your other favorite spy media? Um, I like the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy series, um, the books. I, I watched the movie as well, and I thought it was really well done. Um, I love Atomic Blonde. I just do. Um, and I will go out on a limb and say that heist things are also spy things in a very real way. Um, so, like, I'm a huge fan of, like, Leverage. I'm a huge fan of, yeah, Leverage. Oh, Leverage. Love leverage. leverage. Yeah. Have you, I don't think you were the person we talked, have you read any Atomic Robo? I love Atomic Robo. We didn't talk about it, but oh, I do love Atomic did Robo. You re have you read the most recent real science adventure, the, the Nicodemus job, which is... No. Oh, I gotta go. I it gotta is go. leverage in 12th century Constantinople. Oh Literally, my gosh. They, they assemble the team, the whole nine yards. It is a leverage homage homage in 12th century Constantinople. I have to do it. it yeah, is, that sounds century. awesome. It is, it is an absolute delight. The, I believe a trade might be out. The Kickstarter for the deluxe hardcover, which also comes with a second smaller book of Dr. Dinosaur talking oh, about time Dr. travel um, so just wrapped up. No! But, 
Next time we see each other, I will loan when my copies arrive. I will loan you my copy oh when my it gosh. is done. I'll just stand there and read it, yeah. <laughs> like right in front yeah. of you. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I already have all these in singles, but I really like this miniseries, and it comes with a little book about Doctor Dinosaur talking about time travel. Mm-hmm. Sold. Yeah, yeah, that's so, I, you've sold it to me, and I can't get it. So yeah. <laughs> I, I bonded with a coworker. Went in their cubicle. They had a picture of Doctor Dinosaur. Signs. Oh, I was like, yes, <laughs> you, you and I would be friends. <laughs> you knew. Now, I have to, add, and this is an oddball question, but I'm going to ask because I am one of like the three people in the world who really love this character. Okay. As, as you know, spy stuff, mutants, any chance you'll ever write Pete Wisdom? I don't know. I don't know because it's so like, it's so X-Cal and Teeny's doing X-Cal, so I don't know what I can play with yet, um, but... Maybe. I love Pete Wisdom. I yes. love Pete Wisdom As you when he first appeared. And there's just something delight that I find really interesting about that character. I know some people say, well, he's just British Wolverine. It's like, no. There, there's, 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 there's more. There's, there's a lot more there. There's a lot more. Not that I don't love Wolverine. Of oh, course right. I do. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with Wolverine. But, yeah. but there's something that, that, yes, Logan's haunted, but in a very different yes. way than Wiz. I mean, exactly. when you're... Also, Logan, real talk could not work for the government in the same way. No. There's just no, he doesn't have that in him. No. And I think that fundamentally makes them very different. Yes. <laughs> like, and there's something about a character who the first time you see him on panel is in tears from having killed all these people. It's like, yeah. that is a character that is haunted in a very different way than someone like Logan who... Internalizes yeah, and drinks. And accepts that, you know, yeah, it's part there's... Of and, and Wisdom is one that has been written... Warren Ellis and then Paul Cornell did great, but everything in between was kind of, he was written like, okay, British Wolverine. It's, it's like, not, yeah, I, I, it's not the same. He doesn't use his powers unless he absolutely has to. That was very clear in the way Ellis created that character. Yes. And I think he probably uses his powers, you probably counted on one hand in uh, Captain Britain and MI 13. Yes. And he beat Dracula. You're the second person <laughs> to tell me that recently. And I was like, yes, that is true. I love you. So, um, so, and now also just announced a few days ago, um, you're going to be writing Morbius yes. for Marvel. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm super stoked. I'm a vampire kind of person, so it's it's really cool that I get to that I get to do that. I snuck Dracula into the Xena run that I'm writing um, in the issue that just came out, um, which I couldn't believe. I mean, I knew <laughs> legally I could because public domain. But uh, I was like, really? You're going to let me just put... Okay. <laughs> so to be able to write Morbius is, is super dope. I'm super stoked. Uh, have you, were you very familiar with the character before that? Or is he sort of new? I, I was, but I was more familiar with him from the animated Spider-Man, where yes. he couldn't bite people, right. so he had the hand thing, which was so much scarier. So much scarier <laughs> than just biting people. Kind of M-platey. Oh my god, I couldn't, it's still, I wouldn't shake, like, pale men's hands for a very long time after watching that. I was like, no, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm over it now, clearly. Mm. Um, well, you shook my hand, so. <laughs> you're not that pale. No, I'm not, true. <laughs> it's not. Uh, you just got back from vacation. This is about as tan as I get. But, <laughs> but no, I was, I was, I'd read a couple of, like, Spider-Man things with him, but to to write this, I got to reread. Oh, I guess I'd read I read the Keating stuff too, but I reread it and I read a bunch of his origin stuff. And I have totally forgotten that I had had one of the issues from like the '90s, like Morbius, where he's sure. in the like bondage yes. gear, which is so great. Hanging out with Blade, also yes, in the also in the similar <laughs> outfit. Yeah, and I, that. And that's probably why, actually, because I was a big Blade fan. Like, I love Blade, so. The Night Stalkers, that was him and Hannibal King and the Frank Drake. Yep. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, I, I not, <laughs> um, maybe a few years ago, read all of the Wolfman, to, uh, got the, the essentials and read all that Wolfman oh, Tomb of Dracula. And that nice. stuff is great. Nice. I really like the idea of a science vampire by way of, like, just messing with your own genetics it's not like he doesn't have magic right like he doesn't like he doesn't really have to go to sleep in the daytime like any of that stuff like he just screwed up (laughs) trying to like cheer this disease and i was like what an interesting thing because some of the stuff he clearly buys into right like he tends to stay out of the daylight and all the stuff because he feels monstrous or whatever but like then like 
a vampire hunter can roll up and he's like, no, it doesn't work the same. You can't, the, all of this, mm-mm. Garlic, no, I like that on my pizza. Thanks. Yeah, please. Silver, <laughs> I got studs. Like, we're good, we're good. Um, and I really like the idea of playing with that. I won't, I, I'm not saying I am in this series. Naturally. Um, but I'm saying, I've always found that really fascinating. Is it an ongoing or a miniseries? I believe it's a miniseries. That's how it's going to be played. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm but, saying it. Yeah, I don't think Marvel, the official solicitations hit until yeah. next week. Because I think DC's hit like Friday and yes. Marvel hits the, uh, the, the following, following Monday. Monday or, yeah. or Tuesday, I think Monday, maybe. So, yeah, it, it always, it's been moving around lately. Um, so, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. We will ask no more. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, Livewire still moving along a pace? Yeah. Uh, next week, I think the new arc starts. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, I just finished up the last issue, which was very bittersweet. Mm. Um, you know, this is my longest running series. And so ending it was kind of, it was it was difficult. Um, a total of 12, so three trades? Yeah, three okay, trades. Should be three trades. I'm hoping for one of those sexy hardcovers. Mm-hmm. I love oh, yeah, those. Valiant does oh, They do beautiful books. Really nice. And I, you know, I appreciate, though, that they put extras even in the regular trade. Ten bucks and you get process oh. stuff, like yeah. I love, but those hardcovers are so nice. Yeah, I buy most of my Valiant in trade, so I'm looking forward to, I think the second trade is due soon. Yeah, I think it usually mm-hmm. comes out within a couple weeks yeah. of that. The, the next arc beginning. Yeah, so, it's tr- so yeah, it should be up soon. I'm also looking forward to the trades. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Great. So, um, anything else that you have to talk about? Anything that, I, I think I've covered all of the things of that the newer stuff, you yeah. are, the, the new stuff. And, uh, of course, we cannot, we, we, we know nothing of your next X-Men project. We just know it is coming, and yep. that is Jonathan Hickman exciting. spoke my name. That's cool. Yeah, that, it, what have you been thinking about? It? Have, how much have you been enjoying the new the Hickman I've stuff? really been enjoying it. I, of course, had a little sneak peek, so I'm a little bit ahead. Um, but, like, it changed the way that I thought about shared universe superhero books in a way that hasn't happened since his Avengers Secret <laughs> Adventures, <laughs> honestly. But, like, what I really like about it is that it is it is just one big story, um, but they split it up in a way that makes sense still. Like, they didn't... I, I love what they're doing, and I love what's coming out of it. I've read a little bit of what's going to come, and this is a fun, weird, wild oh. time. I'm, I mean... Look at the people that are writing these books, like, yeah, and, I, and 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 illustrating these books, and even coloring these books. Like this, all the teams are really just yeah. absolutely amazing. I, I, the new powers of powers of, powers of ten is waiting yes. for me at home. I have I haven't gotten into my stack this month this you just, week yet. You read and then you're like, I don't fathom how it's going to get wilder than this, and then it does. Oh, that, <laughs> like, that, that last House of X, which I don't want to say anything about in case anyone is hearing this before they've read it, but. The I want to shout thing. out to to X Men fans. They have been really good about not spoiling, and I'm I'm very proud of y'all. Y'all are doing good work. Thank you, because um, it's it's something that has to be experienced. I think. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 that, it is Hickman at his Hickmaniest. Yes. I'm so good. Yeah. He's like galaxy brains, man. Like you, you're on a like human level, even genius human level, and then suddenly Hickman, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. all right. Every, I mean, all of his creator own stuff is so intricate. Yeah. I, I oh, am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that he's doing the Xmas. It's so good, but at the same time, it's like maybe when you're done, can we get another Manhattan Project miniseries? <laughs> just to any, any time, because that book was bonkers, wild in the best wild. possible way. What I like about this X-Men stuff too is that like they're letting them get pretty bonkers. Like with work for hire, there's. You never know. You never know what you're going to be allowed to do. And they really let him just open up and go wild. Oh. Like, All right. <laughs> yeah. Every page, like, well, I did not see that coming, but yeah. I can't be more surprised by that. Ne- oh, wait, no, no. The next page. The data pages are oh, so cool. So cool. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Learning yeah. The, the X-Men language now. It's like, oh. That is, I, the development of that is really interesting. I'm going to put that in any of that story into uh like a trade or something. I know the off panel did a 
interview with the designer that works mm. with him. And that was really cool. Um, but yeah, you should, you should talk to him. I might have to. We might it's have really to do cool. that. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your time, Vita. Thank um, you. We look forward to all of your new work, and you are always welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we are back at FlameCon again. I am here with Nick, who is... Uh, I'm the president of Geeks Out and special guest lead for FlameCon. That's marvelous. How long have you been with Geeks Out? Oh, good question. So um, Geeks Out started about eight years ago at this point, maybe nine. Um, I had someone, like, I, I saw their first month in their Comic-Con, and I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. It's queer, it's geeky. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends at that point were, uh, I had queer friends, I had geeky friends, but those circles didn't overlap, so I started volunteering with them in 2012, and I wrote for the blog, and I just got more and more involved. I joined the board in 2014, uh, and I've been president since 2017. Very cool. Uh, Geeks Out is a 501c3. Yes, we are. Um, it, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, it, it's somewhat clear from the name what yeah. the mission is, yeah, sure. but if you can tell our listeners who might not be familiar a yeah. little bit about the charity. Absolutely. So um, Geeks Out, we are, our tagline is, we are here to rally, promote, and unite the queer geek community. Um, and that really comes out of our initial mission. Um, so uh, I guess probably 2010, um, uh, co-founders Joey Stern and Josh Siegel um, were some of the attendees at New York Comic Con's one LGBTQ themed panel and there were so many people in that room and there was this revelation of like there needs to be more queer content in fandom and more conversation um, and the first the like really simple first goal of that first year was to fundraise to have a table at uh, New York Comic Con the following year um, so that went off without a hitch and here we are <laughs> nine years later um, yeah you know so you know early on it was very much creating queer spaces at other conventions because um, even, oh God, uh, even you know, five or six years ago, I don't think that like the sort of pop culture mainstream conventions were having conversations about got like consent, like cosplays and consent, or making spaces uh, comfortable for you know women, trans, non-binary people of diverse backgrounds, all of that. Um, so we definitely like wanted to have those conversations and intersection, right? So like not just conversations about queer people, but women. And then, you know, gender diversity, racial diversity, all of that. So, yeah. It's, I know this is the second year here at the Sheraton. Yes. Um, and this is the fifth? Yes, this is our fifth year. So, yeah. so I've only been coming for the, these past two. But I, it's such a great con. It's so, not just inclusive, but comfortable. Yeah. I mean, and I love, A, you have water everywhere, which is amazing. Yeah. And you have a quiet room, which I think is so important. As someone who does not do well with crowds, they're that kind of space. I mean, granted, I can come to the press room, too, but the fact that you're, that you're the, the royal you is thinking about neurodiversity as well is so cool and so yeah. important. And that, that's really reflected our, um, yeah, that's, that's really reflected our growth over the last five years. Um, you know, we've always, even when the core group was just a small group of us and we had a lot of shared experiences, we were always trying to think of, you know, how would somebody else with a different kind of experience and background come to this kind of space? Um, and in the last year we've made, you know, so things like considering Diversity and you know, all, like our gender, uh, gender free bathroom policy, like all of our things. Um, we made a big push for accessibility uh, last year or two. Yeah, uh, this year was our first year, well, our second year, uh, working with a kind of accessibility consultant. Um, so we just, you know, using like basically 
working with people who are attuned to the issues that might be beyond our view. So, um, yeah, and that's really shaped our policies and shaped our like future path. You know, we know we worked with um, our panels this year who have uh, live captioning. Um, we, our stretch goal for next year and the years to come will be like ASL interpretation. This year we have large print and braille format programs. Like all of these little things make it an inclusive space that everyone feels comfortable. That's our goal. You are further along than any other convention I have ever seen. So yeah. bravo. Yeah, thank you. Um, you also said you're the guests. Yes. So now, so FlakeCon is done tomorrow. Yes. Do you immediately start with next year's guests the day after you're done with this year, or do you get to breathe? Well, or have you already started on next year's guests? Um, sometimes that happens. You know, the natural process of like booking for one year. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm taking a year off and I'm not doing shows. I'm like, great, I'll come back to you in a year. Um, I mean, we are always thinking about the next year. Um, and, I mean, my role is a little different than maybe some of the other um, steering committee members uh, because I also serve as president of the nonprofit. So my mind is permanently on, like, okay, what are we doing now? Like, what's our mission? What are we going to try to accomplish coming up? So, yeah, I mean, sometimes we make contact with guests uh, and it doesn't work out for this year. We talk about next year. But that even happens on all kinds of, like, thinking about 2020 and 2019 is happening for all of the committees, not just guests. So, you know, what's our space going to look like? What's our accessibility going to look like? What's our programming going to look like? We're always, like, constantly. More and more. Future, future, future. So, then you have plans moving into the world of tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they're a little, you know, they're always, like, a little fuzzier. But in general, so because we are, um, we are all volunteer-based, both Geeks Out and FlameCon, um, it is a passion project for us. So we are queer geeks, so we're just like, in, like all geeks are intensely passionate about things. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, we, we are definitely thinking of ways to improve and grow and change and bring more people on. So those conversations are always happening. Is, is there a guest that you wanted to get who you're still tr you know trying for, or are you have you been happy and just sort of continuing to look moving forward to any person, or is there that one person who you just haven't gotten to yet, timeline wise or whatever? So me personally, I would love to have George Takei, and he's got a new book. Oh, uh, Top Shelf has sitting on my read pile. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm so excited for it. But as you might imagine, he's a busy man. Um, but I, and I think broader, my goal has been to um, not have only comics guests. Though, you know, because we are Artist Alley set up, that tends to be more, you know, those are the people in our atmosphere. Um, but I have to say, like, to kind of take a step back, um, the guests that we work with are all amazing. They're incredibly talented. The fact that I get to, like, talk to them and be like, cool, like, you're making a thing with us, and you're going to hang out for the whole weekend. That's great, but in general, um, you know, I think we're a little different in, in other conventions in that I get the sense that uh, people come not for specific guests as much as they do for the sense of community. So like the guests are the the bonus of like cool they get to like see Jen Bartel's new prints, but they're also people are coming to like talk to each other and they might have those same like wide-eyed starry-eyed feelings about somebody's really awesome cosplay as somebody who's been working with Marvel for like three years so that's that's inspiring to me do you have a particular moment when it all sort of hit you that I'm doing I'm involved in, we are involved in this really cool thing or is it just sort of the whole experience has been one big Big blur of awesome. I mean, it well is a big blur of awesome, yes. Um, gosh. You know, honestly, I think 
that happened in the first year. Um, we, so in 2015, uh, we had our first Flame Con, and it was a one-day uh, festival at uh, a really sort of like iconic Brooklyn venue, uh, the Grand Prospect Hall. And I remember going into it, we were talking, you know, we kickstarted from the year prior, 2014. 2015, we had the event. We were like, it's going to be one day. We would love to have, you know, a thousand people would be amazing. Let's plan for 500. And by the time, I, like, by that afternoon, we had had uh, 2,000, and it ended up being 2,200 people in that first year. And that moment, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like, this, people are kind of hungry for fandom, queerness, community, all of this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, and it wasn't like, I'm doing it, but it's like, I get to be involved in it. Like, I get to make it happen for other people. So. That is marvelous. Um, as we're wrapping up, um, where can people follow FlameCon on and or you on social media if FlameCon, which probably does, and you, which may or may not, wish to be followed? Yeah, sure. Um, so we are uh, really active on all the socials. Uh, we are at FlameCon at Geeks Out on Twitter, um, and we are also on Facebook uh, for both. Geeks out and FlameCon um, Instagram as well, and that's that's where we're at. Um, I I have a Twitter, but I mostly talk about uh, like I'm a librarian and, and a tech person in my day job, so most of my stuff is like this really piece of interesting research. Uh, <laughs> I haven't quite figured out social media yet. We have much to discuss off mic about these kind of things. Yeah, I'm a theater tech person by day, uh, yeah, so yeah. yeah. But um, if anyone is interested in those ramblings, um, I am at Coco DeVoe. That's C-O-C-O-D-E-V-A-U-X. Thank you very much for yes. having some time. Well, thank and you for talking. You're very welcome. And onwards and upwards. Excelsior. W-N-Q-A. And we are at the end of a long and fruitful day at FlameCon. And I'm ending the day very excited with Jay and Miles of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. Hello. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for talking to me. I'm going to have to take issue with the end of the day comment, though, because I'm running straight from this to moderating a panel. Okay. End of my day. <laughs> <laughs> it's really all relative. Yes. Yeah. So, so you're not coming to the panel? No, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I got a 715 train to Philadelphia. I'm, yeah. I got to get down to Penn Station. Fair enough. Um, so how has your flame con been so far? Um, well, for me, so I'm actually on the programming committee now. Um, so my FlameCon has been about six months long so far. <laughs> um, it's been terrific. It, I mean, it's always terrific. It's an amazing convention. It's probably the only convention that I would just pay to come to and come to as a fan if I weren't working at. Um, this is kind of has been the show that I come back to every year that sort of reignites why I love doing what I do with the people I do it with in the media where I do it. Um, it's the most just celebratory, I guess, convention. Um, and very much celebratory in ways that are an ongoing reminder that, that queer joy is resistance. So yeah, I love it here. It's great. Yeah, mine has been uh, significantly simpler in that I just sort of <laughs> flew out here and then showed up. Um, so much much easier than I yours mean, But day. you flew out here. I did fly out here, it's true. Like, I got it's, up very it's, early. It's been less long term, but it's definitely involved more like direct home <laughs> up effort. But yeah, FlameCon is wonderful. It's, it's probably been probably my favorite convention and as much as I was nervous about actually going to a show that I wasn't going to be tabling at the whole time this is my first one in like 10 years Flamecon's the one to do it for like like Jay was saying there's just there's so much joy and positivity here and it's it's impossible not to just have that osmos right into you and I, I love being here I, I'm hoping to come here just every year regardless of what my role is in being here your live panel went very well it seemed Thank you. Yeah, no, we were very fortunate to be able to um, to talk to Vita Ayala once yeah. again. They are a brilliant, funny, incisive person, and I mean, I feel like can we just have them as a third host? I mean, maybe. Yeah, you'd have to fight us for it. Uh, <laughs> you, you will have heard Vita earlier in this episode in another segment, so you all know how great Vita is. They totally are. Um, so. A moment ago, I kind of teed up this question, or someone teed it up for me. Um, you guys, your podcast, there's a lot of other podcasts that I kind of 
I came to because of your show. I discovered Tighten Up the Defense through your show. And through Tighten Up the Defense, I discovered Smash Fiction. And I discovered Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. And you, you're sort of the, the... And I think Dan, my co-host, and I, seeing shows like yours, gave us the, the gumption to, to do our own thing. And how does that feel? I mean, is it something you're aware of? It is my, I think it's the best thing to have come out of this show. Um, I am, because I moderate and, and, and basically administer the, the Discord, which is, is sort of a large informal community and where a number of those folks have coordinated and talked, I kind of get a window onto that. And at one point I was talking with, I think, um, Zach of, of Xavier Files and, and um, Battle of the Atom yep. about the idea of, you know, what, what would, of, of podcast family trees. And he informally asked on Twitter, like, how many people started their shows after listening. And, like, I love that so much. I love the idea. I mean, a, a lot of the idea behind the show was empowering people to dive into this big forgetting thing. And the idea of people taking that stuff and running with it and making their own things and growing out of that is just, like... I don't think it's something we could have anticipated, and I don't think we could have asked for a better affirmation of, of it being worthwhile. Like, it's the neatest thing. It's an incredible honor, yeah. yeah. My co-host was just on an episode of The Young Ones with oh, okay, yes. Dan is the other half of yeah. our little dyad. Uh, we've been best friends since we were 12. <laughs> That's awesome. Best man at each other's weddings, I'm godfather to his son, and yeah. now we do. Now we've given birth to this. So yes. God, God help us. <laughs> and it, it does kind of feel that way. Like podcasts do kind of feel like these these entities you just sort of birth into the world. Well, I think that's true of a lot of creative endeavors. I mean, Katie and I have been describing books with pictures as 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 you know uh, as 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 are and the other folks involved as collective queer homunculus child for a long time. <laughs> this is a comic book shop for those who are familiar. Although I do love the phrase best comic book shop. Yeah, I do love the phrase queer homunculus child though. Because well, we, we all built it together and we're we're definitely a very like compli- complicatedly multi-gender like parent unit. Okay, okay. Of, and of many people. And, and there's probably know. alchemy involved. And it's like it's 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 mainly Katie's like she definitely is the one who who who, who did the actual like lightning strike stuff. <laughs> and and now maintains like the and, and, and whose, whose idea it was and all of that. But yeah, it's, it's that kind of lineage and continuity and growth. Like, I, I love seeing the stuff that comes, that, that people have started doing because of us, but I love how different so much of it is. And I love how much of it is stuff that we couldn't have made. Mm-hmm. Like that's, for me, that's kind of the ultimate reward and affirmation is that, that we, we get this landscape that's so cool and it's so far beyond anything that we could have come up with. Yeah, we get to just be part of it, which is the best way to interact yeah. with it. And they're all really great, too. Like, they're just super wonderful. Why I was personally, like, when I knew I was going to be here and I was going to be doing this, was like, okay, I need to get Jay and or Miles because <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this without Jay and or Miles. Aww. And so... Woo-hoo. Yay! I'm really yeah, glad I'm so we're glad doing this. Here and so glad that you're doing this. So I, I probably should have said earlier for the you know maybe two of you who listen to our show who don't listen to Jay and Miles explain the X Men that what Jay and Miles do is they well explain the X Men. <laughs> we try. <laughs> Did you want the official patter? Please. So we are a weekly podcast all about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera, featuring convoluted continuity, creator interviews, convoluted history, and much more. <laughs> that that does it. And so right now you're just on the edge of the Phalanx Covenant, yeah. which suddenly is, without giving spoilers for anyone who hasn't read the most recent issue or two of the X-Books, is suddenly becoming more relevant. Yeah. Oh, I still remember texting Jay right when I read the most recent of those X-Men issues and being like, our Phalanx Covenant coverage just got so much more, so much more complicated. As it goes. It's kind of weird with stuff like that, though, because like sometimes this will happen where we'll have something come up in immediate present continuity that's relevant to what we talk about in the show and we don't care about spoiling stuff that's decades old but we try not to spoil stuff that came out like last week and so we sort of have to navigate what level on which to do that mm-hmm. is there stuff coming up that you're particularly excited to hit uh well i would say for me i don't know about you jay two things um 
the Phalanx Covenant is cool, but that leads into Generation X, and I'm very excited to cover Generation X. That's a book that started and I loved right before I quit reading comics for years. And so I've read the first four issues like 20 times, and then nothing beyond <laughs> aside from the occasional issue here and there. And I was in love with it. Like, even the awful television pilot that came out of that, I still have very fond oh, I can't wait memories to cover, of. To cover that. Oh, oh that's maybe that's We're our next winter special. I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There we go. You heard it here, folks. Um, maybe. I, breaking well, news. We'll have to see. We'll have to Possible see breaking news. <laughs> uh, but so that's one thing. The other it has got to be Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse is one of my favorite X-Men events ever. It, it hit when I was at the height of my X-Men fervor. And it's got a special place in my heart. And Jay, that's, as I recall, how I got you into the X-Men. Yeah, that and God Loves Man Kills. I'm really looking forward to Age of Apocalypse as well, because that's our first big alternate non-cross-time caper universe. And it's, you know, we've, we've seen branching timelines and bits and pieces, but that's really the first time we get dropped into one. And it's also just a really fun world to pick apart because it doesn't work at all. <laughs> you know, I, I've said this before, I'll sometimes sign people's zines this way, but what it comes down to for X-Men, it doesn't have to make sense if it's awesome. Yeah, but it's fun to try to to try to, to wheedle sense out of it, and I think that's a lot of what we do in our jobs. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm also very, very excited to, if we ever get that far, come full circle and back to Curse of the Mutants. <laughs> right, because we covered that really early on. We did, we covered it with the, the, the with Dracula's first X-Men appearance. That is the... Dracula following his heart yeah. is actually yeah. one of two of your recurring bits that has worked its way into our personal lexicon. <laughs> that and Shinobi Shaw and... Shinobi Shaw is good at the sex. Well, yeah. Yes, the, the, <laughs> when, when he died in Uncanny, I, I literally texted Dan, I was like... Well, I guess, you know, we sure will never learn what sex is now. <laughs> right? I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, I'm personally excited for you guys to get to the LS Excalibur, because I never read Excalibur before Warren Ellis. I had no frame of reference. So I will admit, and to no shame, because there is no shame, Pete Wisdom remains one of my favorite characters. I kind I of love, love him, Pete yeah. Wisdom. Like oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's kind of terrible. He's 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 like British non-charming gambit. Yeah, it's not know? a great description. I think I'm just thinking of the hair. Is <laughs> yeah. that a coat? Sometimes. Yeah, he's got a coat. He's got the hair. He's 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 got the someone inexplicably finds him attractive situation. Well, I feel like um, Pete Wisdom, and this is just mainly where we are right now in continuity. I feel like Pete Wisdom answered the question posed by Rory Campbell, which is can you just bring in a random cool character and have him be the focus of a book and have it work? Because with Rory Campbell it doesn't, and with Pete Wisdom it actually kind of does. I, so the answer is if you're Warren, if you're Warren yeah, Ellis. Because Wisdom is the proto-Ellis yeah. character that yeah. Spider-Jerusalem, Elijah Snow, Jenny Sparks, I mean they're yeah. all riffs on Pete Wisdom who is in many ways a riff on John Constantine. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but Still, that is actually second. I mentioned Pete Wisdom to Vita earlier, too, because I love Pete Wisdom, and we were yeah. talking about spies, and so it's like, yeah, you know, James, Pete Wisdom is the James Bond of mutants. I, I want him to be the James Bond of mutants. I mean, oh, he beat Dracula. I want, him, I want him to stay a total dirtbag. Like, I want him to be effective, but I do not want him to be effective at what James Bond is effective at. Yeah. Like, I, I, he's also a fun legacy because he's one of those characters that Ellis created, who then got, um, I think his last fairly prominent appearance was in Cy Spurrier's legacy run, and Spurrier was very much one of the writers who came up out of, um, out of Whitechapel. Was that before or after when uh, Pete Wisdom showed up in Captain Britain and MI-13? That was after. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Captain Britain and MI-13, everything in between when Ellis left and Cornell took over was kind of the pod person Pete Wisdom mm -hmm. who was sort of Wolverine British Wolverine like at one point Wait, in was, he, was this a story thing or are you just talking about the way he was written well, he was I haven't written. read this run yet the way he was written okay. the, 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 the Ben Rab stuff <laughs> Wisdom yeah. uses his hot knives willy nilly when Ellis very much establishes he doesn't like his powers there's one point yeah. where he actually the hot knives extend from his fingers nope. and he does the nope. on each side of the neck thing. I'm the like straight nope. up Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah, written no. and it was it was it was not good. It was Rap holds the distinction for me of Excalibur of having the highest cover quality to or cover to interior quality ratio of any single issue on that book. Ah. Yeah, which yeah. is the Dark Knight of the Bath. 
that that is oh that was rob yeah yeah and it's one of those like it just it, it was so because i saw the cover and i was like this is gonna be delightful and it was not delightful no <laughs> no it wasn't it's the ultimate anti-blurb it was not delightful jay edited <laughs> so i know Jay has a panel to get to. I do. Um, and so let me say thank you for spending a few minutes with me. And Absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And have a great rest of your flame con. Likewise. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our patrons, uh, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the M&T, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones Podcast, Robert Secundus from Hoxpox Talks, and Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!